increasing regulation, market saturation, and rising interest rates. Still think short-term rentals make sense? You're not alone. Join industry experts Bill Faith and Kenny Bedwell as they discuss how you can invest while still staying ahead of the curve, identifying trends before they happen, or blowing them away outright with their insights. This is STRonomics. Are you looking to invest in short-term rentals in North Carolina or South Carolina? There's a lot of great markets there, but even more important, the markets are that you find the right agent. And that's where my man, Tyler Kuhn, comes into place. I personally used him for three purchases totaling over $3.5 million, and I would not look to anybody else. Just jump down into the show notes right here below the podcast, click on the link, and book a free discovery call with Tyler to explore the opportunities in both North Carolina and South Carolina today. Everybody, I'm Bill Faith. I'm joined by Kenny Bedwell from STR Insights. Welcome, Kenny. How are you? Good. How are you, Bill? I am fantastic, Kenny. Thank you very Go much. Welcome to the STR Anomics podcast. We're excited that you're here. It's 2023, and that means we're going to talk about what's going to happen in 2023 with you, meaning the investor, the host, the people that are looking for new properties because the strategy has drastically changed from where we were a year ago or even six months ago. So Kenny, why don't you lead us off? What, uh, what are you, what do you want to talk about? What do you want to share in regards to people that are investing? Because the shit that we did a year ago definitively is, is not the right approach right now. There's yeah. Yeah. So buying a turnkey property in a big time market is not going to get you the returns that people were seeing a year ago. Your definition of what a good return is probably would need to change. And it might be pretty low and favorable in your eyes, if, if that makes sense. But for the numbers, you know, we're, we're all screaming 30% cash on cash or 20% gross ROI. It's going to be very difficult to find a turnkey property in today's day and age that's going to cash flow, one, cash flow, and then two, uh, make sense number-wise. I think that uh, a lot of realtors understand short-term rentals and the money they're making. And so they're pricing those properties, especially if they've been a current short-term rental, they're pricing those properties at typically what I see is about a 10%, you know, or the, the revenue is 10%. The gross revenue is 10% of what the purchase price is. That's pretty standard across the board, whether they're doing it on purpose or, or around that, which means that the property for me, and I, I can speak for Bill here, is not a good deal at all. So we, we don't want to, uh, so long story short, finding a turnkey property today at that's a good deal is almost near impossible. And so we have to come up with new strategies if we're still going to invest in short-term rentals of deals that make sense. So that's and what I, I want to talk about. Those, uh, deals are so critical because the gap is narrowed from LTR and SDR, right? And at the peak, really summer 2020 through summer of 2021, even through probably summer 2022, there was just over maybe a 26 to 29 month run there once everything opened up in April and May of 2020 post-COVID. We're looking at six, seven, sometimes eight or 10 times you know, SCR and LTR, specifically during, you know, the ultra peak months and at beach properties and mountain properties and that type of stuff. But overall now, if you look at a half a million dollar property where somebody's just roughly putting $100,000 down, whether we're talking cash on cash or cash on equity, you know, you can go buy a half a million dollar property, put 25 grand in, pick it up in an urban area and do $3,000 a month where it might've been 1,700, 1,800, two grand in LTR 
you know, three, four years ago. So that's 36 grand. Now, if you go in and you're doing that, you know, 10%, you're talking 50,000 bucks. There's only a $14,000 delta there. So that's what I love. And, you know, it's probably the only thing that I will continue to do is typically I don't buy turnkey properties. You remember when we first got into the mastermind, I mean, I was turning houses over. I was, the appreciation was going so fast in the Gulf Shores market. And in 2021, I bought 13 properties. I sold nine of them. So I had a net hold of four. And every one of those, I don't, I, I don't, I guess I don't really want to use the term bird because I don't go all the way through that. But all of those were properties that I was investing into that I needed to fix up. Whether there was some cosmetic, there was retail on the back end of that. And I saw my the majority of my appreciation by the ones that I did need to do, put in more money to, you know, rehab more, move some walls, redo flooring that type of stuff. And and that forced appreciation, which is a term that really isn't utilized a whole lot in single family, it's utilized in multifamily, I think is something that we all have to be looking at. And, and I have clients, and I'm sure you do, Kenny, that all they want is turnkey. I've got a gentleman that I co-host for from California. He wants turnkey. I'm looking for a two to $4 million property right now. And I'm trying to convince the client, hey, let's find something in the 1.5 to 2.5 range that we can go in and spend another two, three, four hundred thousand to mm-hmm. force that appreciation, and they just don't want to do it. It's not a sound investment. So I think that's a strategy that you know is is going to be really prevalent. The question becomes: Do a lot a lot of professionals haven't wanted to do that? The dentists, the doctors, the lawyers, because they don't have time to manage a crew, you know, or to source something. And you know, I think people have to get over that type of a mindset to be able to do that. And you kind of went through that. How far away is Buffalo from uh, Watkins Glen? Is that like a four hour drive? About three to three and a half. Yeah. Three. So, I mean, it's a little bit different. You can get there in a day if you need to. Yeah. Right. And you could do a one day turnaround, but you know, when you live in, it's a little bit different if you invest in the broken bone, you know, right. or Dangridge, you know, uh, Tennessee, as you talked about in the last episode with, uh, your best markets to invest into in 2023 report. By the way, if you guys haven't seen that, you need to go back and watch that episode because Kenny dropped, he has this STR Insights market report that just came out for 2023 and it was exceptional. It was probably the longest podcast we've ever done. I think it was pushing like 40, 45 minutes um, as well. But you need to download that report. You can get it at strinsights.com or you can go into the last podcast and check the show notes. So what, what are your thoughts? What, what are you looking at from a strategy standpoint, 2023, Kenny? So there's five unique strategies that I've actually seen pence, like the deals penciling out pretty well. Um, so I the, the first one is um, for people who aren't interested in uh, necessarily rehabbing a property or dealing with some of these other strategies I'll talk about. This is probably the easier one. These all require work. So let me preface that. <laughs> You got to do a little extra. You can't just buy a property and boom, you're good to go. The The first strategy is, is it actually new construction? So newer properties, if you can find the lot, the, the lot a lot that makes sense in building a property on that lot, uh, even though it's a brand new property and, you know, quote unquote turnkey once it's finished, boom, m- most of the time it will appreciate. And people, you're you're going to be, it, depending on how you design it and, you know, the, the minute in the location of it, let me preface all of that first. It can jump, it can be a top property in a, in a particular market simply because it's new. And I've seen a lot of these properties, even being conservative based on the build, you know, building, buying the lot because the lots are affordable 
and then building the building costs, it actually is better than just buying a turnkey property because they haven't, they're not pricing in the revenue that property can generate. And that's why turnkey properties are not great deals as, as much as they were last year or before, because people are now pricing in the revenue that they've been generating into that as a, uh, essentially it's a commercial buy rather than just a residential home that you're STRing. So love it. I mean, the best property I have is one that I built and it's my highest producer. Yeah. I agree. So I, I mean, except for I agree, Kenny. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. I, I mean, it's just one of the, and, and this is probably one of the easier ones in terms of the path to doing it in a lot of markets, accessibility. It's not necessarily the right strategy for you and it's not necessarily going to work out hundred percent of the time, but the, the odds are if you, if you do your research are a lot more favorable, um, especially if you're uh, newer into the short-term rental space. So new new construction, new builds are, are definitely probably the route I would recommend going. I don't want to promise you. I do want to promise you, but I really can't. But what I will tell you, like being in my build short-term rental wealth Facebook group, being in, in Kenny's Facebook group, when you look at people that, you know, Kenny and I are surrounded by the super team and the agents like Deb Wood and Tony and Tyler and you know, Avery and all these different people, you, you, we all have access to find builders, to find contractors, to find, you know, our boots on the ground, if you will, our cleaners, our handymen, our electricians, our plumbers, and all these different markets. I kind of look at, you know, the six degrees of Kevin Bacon. You can find a great builder slash contractor within, you know, six points of contact uh, in the way that this industry has built these communities. So, I would strongly advise you if you're afraid to build someplace, don't let that mindset hold you back because that is 100% where you are going to get the best deal right now. Yeah, I agree. The second one, and we've touched on this one a lot. I don't want to spend too much time on it. Just once again, broken record here. Sound sounding like a broken record, but uh, I I was so first off, uh, everyone listening, I was consulting with someone, so I've started to consult. For finding properties for people. Um, so if you're interested in that and you want help, feel free to reach out to me via Instagram or private message. Uh, just DM me and we can talk. Uh, but I was consulting with someone about where and what markets to look into to find them a property. And we went through these different strategies. And this one actually lined up best with them because it's, it's harder and requires a little more effort and time. But if you find the right markets to do this in and you pinpoint enough markets to do this in you the it's it's actually not too hard to find a property over time and that's finding properties with or markets with regulation heavy regulation where they've limited the number of short-term rentals preferably through zoning and the reason why i say zoning is because if there's a property for sale and it's zoned as a short-term rental or could be a short-term rental essentially that's an opportunity (laughs) so it zones to me there's, there's caps. I've seen markets do caps, which are extremely hard to get into because their caps have already reached and there's normally a waiting list. And so you either have to buy a property. You can't penetrate those though. You just have to know. You, how you to still can, right? You, you still very can. It's, ex, it's just very hard. But if you could find a property in those markets, I mean, that's a great, great, great opportunity. Asheville, Tennessee, Hot Springs, Arkansas, Asheville, North Carolina, three prime examples. Watkins Glen, New York. Watkins Glen, there's four. <laughs> yeah, Geneva, New York. That's probably a better one that I'd recommend people go after in the same situation. But the zoning is, mar- there are a ton of markets with zoning, especially vacation rental markets, like traditional vacation markets are starting to have zoned areas, zoned communities or zoned regions 
uh, you know, Gulf Shores, for example, only you can only short-term rental in these zoned areas. Now, you know, obviously you want to target these type of markets that don't have a large supply. So smaller zoned areas, for example, uh, one market I'm thinking of that I really like, uh, New Braunfels, Texas, the city area, the downtown area, there are only a limited number of zoned areas that could be uh, a short-term rental. I, I'm not going to say what the rules are. I know you can't do it in R1s. There's different different types of zones, but you can put an address and it will tell you in their site, downtown Louisville as well. And if you get in those areas, you've just, like if you can find a property in a correctly zoned area that gives you that opportunity and limits the number of uh, uh, of supply around. Another good example of this, uh, there's some markets I've seen, not just in California, but across the country that limit, it's weird, it's this new rule I've seen where they limit the number of short-term rentals based on the number, like the distance between them. So no, you can't have two within a hundred feet of each other. And there's, yeah, there's like 600 feet. Like there, there's all kinds of like different, and they're doing me, a lot of it, not to give a, 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 a weird reference, but they're treating it like strip clubs and a lot of markets where it's the 500 foot rule. You can't have, you can't be within a thousand feet of a church or a school. A lot of they're, they're doing it. Um, and it's, it's, it's truth. That's, yeah. that's where they're taking that type of, you know, zoning from because it's almost identical and it, it's not just in a handful of markets. It's probably in over a hundred, maybe 200 markets already. Right. And where I'm going with this is if you choose say three to five of those markets and you become very intimate with understanding what those rules are, where they apply, where there could be opportunity in those markets, something will pop up if you do that in three to five markets. If you try to pull this stunt across the entire country and you haven't identified the markets, meaning you know of all these different markets, maybe 10, 20 markets, and you're just constantly looking every day, it's going to be really difficult. You really need to understand the micro markets within, the micro opportunities within in order to pull the strategy off. This also takes a lot of time, energy, and effort. That last thing I think is the most important. And that, that what you just said, the time, energy, and effort. Those of you that are willing to put those three things into your investing strategy, whether it's rehab, whether it's research, whether it's regulation, whatever it is, you guys will increase your odds of winning. The lazy motherfuckers that are out there that have invested in 2020 and 21 that literally have just sat back and wrote a check and don't go view their properties and don't in person, don't go do the research, all that type of shit. That ain't going to, that ain't going to fly. And it's not just going to be for the next six, eight, nine months. It's probably going to be for the next couple of years. At least we have to put in the hard work. We got to roll up the sleeves. We got to literally do things that people haven't done for the last couple of years. The gold rush is over. I don't think that there's an Airbnb bust as other influencers are calling it. I think there's a normalization. And the stuff that we're talking about now is what we had to do for those of us that have been around pre-COVID, you know, in our diligence. There just wasn't people like Kenny and I that were sharing this information, you know, as vehemently. And, you know, I think that I, I love what you're talking about here, Kenny. The question becomes, in my opinion, is just how hard are people willing to work? Because the, the harder it is to penetrate, it's super simple. The harder it is to penetrate the market, the better off you're going to be if you can penetrate with the protection based on the regulation. So imagine if you take number one and number two, if you can find a place to penetrate, let's just use one of those four markets again. 
um, and going to Asheville, North Carolina, you can get something in that city limits. And then you have an opportunity to rehab to force appreciation. That's like the double whammy so far. And we're only through number two of five so far. Right. Yeah. You just, you just knocked on uh, two, two right there. And yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. I think that, and, and, you know, I, I hear people all the time, Oh, Ashford, you can't short term rental there or, Oh, this market, you can't short term rental there. You can, you got to figure out how to get in there though. Uh, so it's, it is, it is being creative. I think everyone needs to be creative. I don't think that even if you aren't lazy, I know you said lazy, but the people who are emailing me, the past couple of weeks that have made terrible investments, they're panicking. And it wasn't necessarily that they were lazy. They're trying everything they can. They just chose the wrong areas within those markets they're in. And let me give you some context. Lazy or the people that I was talking about that didn't do the things that I just said. They would yeah. go look at a property. They would buy from home. They were buying on Zillow. They said it and forget it, all that type of stuff. And it's more conjecture for me than calling anybody out to make a point is that we are all going to have to work harder. Kenny's going to have to work harder. I've got to work harder. We've got to do better research. And the the more challenging the places are to penetrate, the better the reward will be on the back end if we can gain entry. Exactly. Are you looking to purchase an STR in the Western North Carolina mountains, the high country, maybe even on, on the beach of North Carolina and the OBX or all the way down into Hilton Head, South Carolina? My man, Tyler Kuhn from Savvy Realty has you covered. And one of the things that I love about Tyler is he specializes in short-term rentals. He takes a no BS approach, is honest, and is filled with integrity. How do I know this? Because I've used Tyler on three transactions totaling almost three and a half million dollars. And he has absolutely crushed it for me. Look, if you're not sure where you should invest, he's based out of Asheville, North Carolina. He helped me invest in Banner Elk, North Carolina, and Beach Mountain, North Carolina. He's not only just a real estate agent that specializes in short-term rentals, Tyler is also an owner of short-term rentals and owns a management company. So one of the biggest hurdles for us mentally is to get over, how do I find cleaners? How do I find handymen? How do I find a plumber? Well, you know what? Tyler's dialed in and he helps his clients navigate those issues. So if you're looking to invest pretty much anywhere in the Carolinas, Tyler Kuhn from Savvy Realty is your man. And right now he's actually doing a free discovery call. You can click down on the link in the notes and set up your free discovery call with Tyler today. So the the next one you, you touched on, you already gave it away. So we're, we're done with talking about rehab. So we're going to the fourth. No, I'm kidding. Uh, so yeah, the, the a big one is going in and, and rehabbing properties. So I would even go further to say like rehabbing properties to make them f- to add additional value to that particular market. So what I mean by value is not necessarily the force appreciation, which is the obvious benefit of doing a rehab. But uh, for example, uh, I'm looking at buying this property in Niagara Falls, New York. It is a home from the early 1800s. It's actually like the not the title, but like the deed or the property itself is zoned historical. Uh, there's a hotel that's trying to tear it down and turn it into a hotel, but the city is saying, no, you cannot do that. And so I'm trying to work because the hotel, the owner of the hotel owns that plot of land, I'm trying to work with him to see if I could work out a deal where I can just buy it. And, but we're going to, we're going to rehab it. And uh, what I want to do, and I mean, there's other properties like that in the area, not just this one. This is the one I've got my eyes set on, but by rehabbing that property, 
I can turn that thing, I can restore it back to its, you know, ultimate state where it was originally and get charged top dollar for that because of its location. Number one, it's literally like right next to the falls. And then number two, it's so cool. Like it is a house from the early 18, like a big house from the early 1800s that like you just look at it and you're like, man, I would love to stay or just like go through it or tour it, you know, and it's, it's pretty crappy inside. Um, but it, it needs that touch, but doing that is going to provide so much value. And by choosing the right location on top of fixing it up to it and restoring it to its original state is just going to, I'll be number one in the market. But here's the work. You got to yep. do the rehab. Yep. You got to do the rehab. Yep. Like when George Washington was running the country. Um, <laughs> like Abraham, actually, Abraham Lincoln, you know, era yeah. 1800s. Yeah. Number two, it's zone historic. Yeah. You know, people don't jerk around with historical zoning. It's right. very, very challenging. It's way more expensive. Yep. Um, so that's the barrier to entry. And that's what you're going to get. That, that's where that reward, that pot of gold on the back end of the, that could the, be significant. I'll add that to that. The tax credits are pretty awesome. At least in my state, you need to check your state though. But in New York, they uh, they give some pretty significant tax uh, credits. But what's going to turn 99.9% of the people off is the age of the home. The yep. Probably the extent of the rehab that you're going to have to do. Correct. If they know anything about historical zoning and compliance, they're going to dictate your materials. They're going to dictate your look. They're going to dictate your colors. And it takes usually about double the time to do a rehab. Uh, so, you know, your 90 days turns into six months, you know, real quick. But you get through all that. And I mean, how how close is it to the falls? It is the closest house to the falls. <laughs> so, nice. yeah, I mean, that's you, you can't, you this property, so I was running the numbers. So, my low, yeah, my my low end is uh, it will gross any from like 100 to 120, but I think it could do close to 150, maybe more. I could probably, I so I'm trying to work with the guy, and it, it's been some communications back and forth for some time now, but I'm thinking it's we're going to purchase it for probably about 200,000, um, around maybe 225, and then. Got to do the rehab, which will probably be over a hundred thousand, maybe one hundred and fifty. But we're talking one fifty, so one twenty to one fifty a year off that property. So right. awesome! Well, you better have that under contract before we release this, or you're gonna you're gonna have some. I haven't revealed the address, and uh, they're good luck trying to find it. <laughs> so uh, anyway, well, number five. All right, number. Well, that was number. That was number three. The rehabs. Oh. Now I. Let me let me go back here real quick. I, I gave you a very specific instance of historical rehabs, which people do across the country. I've seen them done in New Orleans. I've seen them done uh, in some parts of Alabama. Um, John Hodge is doing one in Memphis right now. Yep. And so like they can be done all around the country. Now, I said historical. There are other types of they're simple rehabs, you know, but. The thing is, what you're really looking for is not necessarily rehabbing any property, but rehabbing properties in the ideal location in a market. Mm -hmm. So finding the right traffic driver and then finding rundown properties in that in the best location in that market to do the rehab. in. it's not just any old property in any market. I'm going to you know what people it's, it's the exact opposite of what people have done during COVID, right? They were trying to buy the biggest and best turnkey properties and 
a market. And, you know, now it's kind of going to old school real estate investing by the smallest or, you know, the most downtrodden property in the nicest neighborhood. Right. And then go put your hundred thousand dollars into it. I think the other thing in rehab, we're not just talking about a 15 or $20,000 furniture and paint budget, right? It's different than redesign. And I think it needs to be made really, really clear. You might have to move some walls. You might need new cabinets. You might need new flooring. You might need new new appliances, you know, new roof, whatever that is. Rehab is different than redesign and refurnishing. And I think a lot of people get those confused. Unless your name's John Hodge, this is probably going to be a six-figure rehab. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. There we go. Um, Okay. On On to the next one. Uh, so this strategy, I think some people are starting, I've seen it on social media talked about, um, I'm personally doing it for one of mine, uh, my properties, I've done it for several years now is buying, uh, uh, multiplexes. So it could be a duplex, triplex, quadplex, whatever, fiveplex, <laughs> like sixplex, whatever. And, and doing a mix of either short-term rentals with long-term rentals or just short-term rentals. Um, I, I've seen a lot of people, you know, even rehab them into short-term rentals. Now, you're going to need to be careful because once again, the regulation is going to become key here. Uh, and also the sentiment in the community, you don't, you, I, I think this needs to be talked about more because it is a growing issue of when you take long-term housing away from, in certain markets, away from the general population it can have a negative impact, just how people view short-term rentals in that area. And so you you need to be careful if you're doing this in a city that the one that it's legal and then two, that you don't think the city, there, there'll be future repercussions from um, other investors doing the same thing. So for example, if I go and buy a quadplex in downtown Buffalo and 10 other investors buy quadplexes and we all turn them into short-term rentals, that will you know, not devastate the housing economy down there, but it will force uh, rents up and there'll be a limited supply. There's already a limited supply. And so I personally, I've done, I've done that in the past without recourse, without saying, oh, well, in the future, I won't have to worry about this. I haven't really thought about that. And now thinking, okay, can I, I can go and do this, but there's probably going to be recourse in a couple of years. Um, so that, you know, that's kind of moral slash also considering potential regulation and conflict within in the community because it's not a traditional vacation rental market. So I think that's really important is to make sure that if you do this strategy, you're thinking about, okay, in a year or two, three years from now, if everybody's doing this, is this going to be a detriment to the housing community? And would there be recourse by a city or whoever the you know municipality is to ban that or restrict it in some sort of measure. And can I be, if I'm running my numbers strictly on short-term rentals in a duplex quadplex or whatever, I could get burned if it's only based on short-term rental numbers and not long-term rental numbers. So I think that that is the key is running it off of long-term rental numbers, just in case if you're going to do that strategy. You mean from an investment standpoint for cash? Yes. Yep. From but, and then you got to think about, you know, the exit strategy. If you, Correct. If you're going to go in and ARV something, you really need to understand the difference between a duplex, a triplex, and then a quadplex and higher. Because typically you're you're going to get treated as a single family home essentially for a duplex and a triplex. 
you need to be to a quadplex. So that's four units or greater to be able to consider, be considered, you know, commercial to be considered as a, a multifamily valuation to where you will get a multiple of a cap rate, you know, based on your, your T12s, your trailing 12s, because that's really how you go in and, and truly force the appreciation is you renovate, but you're not going to be compared off of comps. Once you renovate, then you need to take 12 to 18 months to stabilize and go in and increase that rent factor. So if you bought long-term and they're doing 100000 and you buy a, you know, a, a sixplex or a fourplex or whatever, and then you go in and you turn that into 200000 now you're going to get a multiple on that 200000 if you're going to go to sell or to reposition and do a cash-out refi. So there's that threshold in almost every state it's a quadplex or greater. So you need to understand how those valuations are going to work and how you're going to approach your banking on a duplex and a triplex is going to be completely different than if you're buying a quadplex or higher. I love it. So uh, multiplexes, great strategy to get into, but obviously think about, make sure you're running the numbers and think about the most important thing for me is the exit strategy. So like these, these duplexes or the, it's a triplex that I got, the exit strategy originally was, okay, if the short-term rental space doesn't work out, what am I going to make as a long-term rental if I long-term rent it? And I mean, the numbers make sense and they make even more sense today because rents have gone up. So for me personally, uh, you know, it, that property is fine and it makes sense for me, but that's how I'm thinking about it. And I would recommend anyone uh, applying the strategy. Let's not think short-term, let's think long-term here. And in a sense of the, the, uh, exit strategy. So and that's something that's really challenging in your traditional vacation rental market, specifically at the beach. Yes. Right, is you know we we really don't have an LTR strategy. So that just makes it even way more important that your forecasting and your performance on the front end are going to be sustainable, especially in a downturn or a correction of the market that we're living in right now. Yep, I agree. The last strategy that I wanted to bring up, we've talked about it on another episode before. So go back and watch it. It's on boutique hotels. This one, once again, it's going to touch on a number of these different strategies, really the rehab forced appreciation. And then it's very similar to the multiplex, except you're, you're, you're buying just individual units. The reason why a boutique hotel doesn't follow under a multiplex is because a boutique hotel or is essentially, um, or, you know, boutique motel, however you want to call it, is zoned differently and considered differently by a lot of municipalities. So the regulation is not, they don't necessarily deal with as much regulation as typical single family home short-term rentals. And so there's a lot of benefit from purchasing or being part of a group that goes in and buys these. Uh, I think, like I said, the forced appreciation is the number one key to these things because they're valued based on how much revenue they're going to make. And so if you can increase that revenue, boom, you've increased the value of that property. It's now, but you're now in the commercial game. You're no longer in the single family home space. So loan products are different. Um, You have to think differently. The exit strategy is going to be considerably different because once again, it's based on the revenue that property is generating. And so one thing, a lot of these people who are doing- Revenue and NOI, net operating income are two, two components. Correct. So one thing that, they a lot of individuals aren't thinking about who are getting into the boutique hotel space is they're not talking about the exit strategy because a lot of them haven't exited. 
And it's a commercial exit. It's not, like I said, it's not a single family home exit. And so if you're not making that revenue, if your revenue decreases, that decreases the value of the property. Uh, So that's, once again, this is turning into, you have to change your mindset in terms of finding the opportunity with for a short-term rental for a boutique hotel. It's different than purchasing a single family home. Your, but, LTV, your banks are going to fund your LTV at a much lower rate, typically right now today. You're, you could be at 65 to 75% versus 80, yep. 85, 90. And you know, one of the things I think is super important is the whole qualification process is different. The most banks view hotels as a riskier proposition. So one of the things, if anybody's going down this path that I would strongly advise is look at apartment complexes that have the long-term rental numbers that one, it's going to help you in the negotiation and position with the seller as well, right? So that's where that's where John Hodge, the bank whisperer, like in the accelerator program, Kenny can become so paramount in how, we, how you can establish the current financial situation of the, the property that you would be acquiring, apartment complex, motel whatever that would be, because it's not going to be about the the future ARV by any means. It's going to be about what it's doing right now on gross revenue for a cap rate and NOI, which is really the most important. And just one little secret, if you're trying to reposition quickly and you're going to have a group and a management fee, pull that management fee out for the first 12 to 18 months if you can to increase your NOI, because the lower you can keep your expenses, like literally think about a year's worth of toilet paper for a 20 unit boutique hotel, that could be like 10,000 bucks, right? So if you're getting a seven time multiple, that's worth 70 grand to you, right? So think about those things and how you structure and what you're going to roll into your construction costs and what you're going to do with your management fees and your cleaning fees and all that type of stuff, because the lower you keep your operating expenses, once you open until you reposition, the greater your NOI, your net operating income is going to be. That's just the second part of how you can force that appreciation because it's a financial derivative. It's not based on, you know, residential costs. Correct. So anyway, I'll, we, we talk about that more in, in a previous episode. So go back and, and listen to that one if you haven't heard us talk about boutique hotels. But um, definitely a unique strategy and something that I'm seeing great deals and opportunities in for uh, 2023. So Agreed. 100%. Great stuff, Kenny. That wraps it up. All right. See you, boys. See you, girls. Happy hosting, everybody. We'll see you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to STRonomics. Stay ahead of the curve and subscribe today. This podcast is a Hospitality.fm production.